morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, the second of uh, August in the year 2013, <coughs> and we are in the full moon meditation hall of the new hamlet Plum Village. And today we have uh, a Dharma talk in English. And this is uh, the last Dharma talk of the summer opening. The Dharma talk today is uh, a little bit, little bit difficult, but I trust that uh, the children can understand. Because I try, I will try to to make it very easy so that everyone can understand. <coughs> I will speak about uh, no coming, no going. No coming, no going. It's very interesting. And I will speak about uh, no sameness, no otherness. It looks like so difficult, but I think that it is uh, it is possible that we can understand. No coming, no going. This is a title of a song that we are going to sing later on today. And then no sameness, no otherness. No sameness, no otherness seems more difficult. But we shall begin with that. No sameness and no otherness. <coughs> I have a picture of, uh, of someone. <laughs> you know he is, this teenager. You recognize him? You don't recognize him? Does he look funny? <laughs> it, it, uh, it is Thai when he was 16. I knew it. 
and he just became a novice. Ten precepts, novice. And if you take a picture of Thai now, you have a camera, and you see that these are two different persons. It's quite different. Thai look very different from this uh, <laughs> Thai look very different from this uh, young man. So are they the same? Are they the same person? Or are they different persons? That is the question. Sameness, otherness. Can you give an answer? Are they the same person? Or are, are they two different persons? That is meditation. Everyone has a picture of himself or herself when we were a baby, right? And the album, the family album is still there and we can take a look and we see ourselves when we were a, a tiny baby. And now we are 16 or 11 or 30 and we see that we are so different from the baby but we still have the same name. Right? Philip? The same name. You are still Philip, you are still Elizabeth, but we look so different. So the problem is whether we are the same person with that baby, with that little boy or little girl, or we are a different person. Anyone would like to offer an answer? Is Thay the same person with this? Uh, teenager or is he a different person? Hmm? Both same and different. Mm. Or neither same nor a different person. So this, uh, <clears throat> this is what the Buddha taught us, that uh, we are not the same, exactly the same person, but we are not a different, a totally different person either. But uh, we do not see the truth, and we think uh, that it is always the same person, like the river. Yesterday you took a swim in the river, and today you come back to the river, you think that the river is the same river, but that's not true. The water that you, in which you swim yesterday was no longer there, is no longer there. So it is new water, so it's not the same river. So that is uh, not the same, nor a different uh, 
another example. We are going to ask uh, the flame to to come. Here is a flame. And here is another flame. Do you think that they are the same or different flames? Hmm? The same are two different flames. It's hard to say. It's not the same. It's not another, another flame. So that is the nature of things. And if we meditate, we can see things like that. When you look at uh, yourself, and you look at your daddy, hmm? now we come, we come to to a deeper level of meditation. <clears throat> when we look at uh, ourselves, and then we look at our father. And do you think that you are the same thing as your father, the same person as your father, or you are a different person? You are a daughter, you are a, a son. When, when you see, when you saw the second flame, you see, did you see the second flame? You can see that the first flame is in it, right? And the second flame is the continuation of the first flame, right? Do you agree? So you are somehow like the second flame, and your father is the first flame. If there is no father, there is no, no son, no daughter. This is a very, very deep uh, meditation. <coughs> so you can see the deep connection between your father and you. And do you think that uh, the second flame can get angry at the first flame? Because uh, the second flame is the continuation of the first, first flame. They are the first flame. That is uh, about no sameness, no otherness. When you say it's the same, it's not the truth. When you say that uh, it's totally another, another person, another thing, that is not the truth. And that is the teaching of the Buddha called uh, the middle way. <coughs> the middle way means neither the same, nor a different thing, nor a different person. I think that is understandable for children. This is a very deep teaching of the Buddha. And later on, you will need that kind of uh, truth. 
Now we come to the second no go coming, no going. My little flame, please come. And the flame has come. My dear little flame, where do you come from? Do you have an answer? Where does it come from? The flame. Where do you come from? When you ask the question, we have to listen. And if you listen well with mindfulness, concentration, you will hear the answer from the flame. The flame is saying something like this. Dear Thay, dear children, dear Sangha, I have come from nowhere. I have not come from the south. I have not come from New York, from Bordeaux, from London, no. I have not come from the north. I have not come from the west, from the east. My nature, the nature of the flame is no coming. When things are, when things are ready, when conditions are sufficient, I just make myself seen to you. I just manifest myself. I have not come from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. My nature is no coming. And you think that that is the truth. The flame has not come from New York. The flame has not come from Bordeaux, from Bangkok, from the Netherlands. No. That's the truth about no coming. And now we ask, Dear little flame, you are gone. Where have you been? Where have you gone? Mm. Right. And then the flame will say, Dear Thay, dear Shilton, dear Sangha, yeah. I, have, I have gone nowhere. I have not gone to Bokdo. You cannot find me in Bokdo. I have not gone to London. I have not gone to Bangkok. When things are, not, are no longer ready, when conditions are no longer sufficient, I just stop manifestation. I do not go anywhere. So that is uh, the truth about no coming, no going. So next time when someone asks, Darling, have you, where you come from? You know what to say. <laughs> you say, I have come from nowhere. When conditions are sufficient, I manifest like this. <laughs> and they will be lost. Okay. <laughs> so when you hear the small bell, you stand up and bow to the Sangha before you go out and continue. All children stand up and salute the Sangha before you, you go. Have a good day. Remember, no coming, no going.
no sameness, no otherness. Thank you. The third uh, pair of opposite is uh, no birth and no death. And the fourth pair of opposite is no being, no non-being. So you have uh, four pairs of uh, opposites, coming, going, sameness, otherness, birth, death, being, non-being. For those of us who do not know uh, meditation, for those of us who do not have the time to look uh, deeply, we see reality as having birth and death, coming and going, same or different. They can be there or they cannot be there. But for those of us who have the time to look deeply, we, see, we will see that these notions, these ideas cannot be applied to the cosmos, to the reality. And when we have uh, touched the nature of no birth, no death, no coming, no going, 
no sameness, no otherness. We are free from all kinds of fear and despair and anger. And we have what the Buddha uh, described as right view. Right view. Right view is enlightenment, is awakening, is the kind of deep insight that is free, that, is, that can liberate us from notions like being, non-being, coming and going. Let us continue. Uh, let us uh, visualize time as uh, flowing from the left to the right. We know that uh, Buddhism practice of meditation can help uh, bring relief and help us suffer less. Practice of mindful breathing, the practice of mindful walking, the practice of uh, deep listening, loving speech, and so on, can help us uh, suffer less. But the the greatest relief we can get only when we touch our true nature. And that nature is the nature of interbeing, the nature of no birth and no death, no coming and no going. The greatest relief can be obtained when we have right view. And right view is a kind of uh, insight that is free from all these notions. There are eight uh, basic notions. Birth, death, coming, going, being, non-being, sameness and otherness. And with some skillfulness, we'll be able to to understand and to transcend the notion of uh, the notions that uh, that uh, prevent us to to touch uh, the ultimate. Suppose uh, time is flowing from left to right, and someone is born here, and we and we can call that uh, birth B birth. And according to our way of thinking, to be born means that uh, from no one we become someone. Before point B, you did not exist. You did not exist. You begin to exist only starting from point B. That's the way most of us think. So the segment representing <coughs> ending with B represents non-being. And when you are born, you start being. That's the way we think. 
and you continue to be until until the day you die, until you come to point D, death. If uh, we do not meditate, we, if we do not practice looking deeply enough, we will think like that. We think that uh, we begin to be from point B, and when we reach the point D, we stop being. We die, we stop being. And again, we pass into the realm of non-being. So our definition is that to be born means from the realm of non-being, you pass into the realm of being. And to die means from the realm of being, you pass to the realm of non-being. You don't exist anymore. And that's the way we think. And that is the foundation of fear, despair, anxiety, and so on. Many of us are afraid of non-being. If uh, point B exists, point D should exist because uh, there is no, no death if there is no birth. If uh, being exists and then non-being has to exist, it's like the left and the right. If the left is there, the right must be there. So they are all pairs of opposites. And here we have uh, four basic pairs of opposites that deep meditation, deep meditation can help remove. And when we are able to remove the four basic pairs of opposites, we can touch the ultimate. We can have the right view. The other day we spoke about a cloud. The cloud is a favorite, is one of the favorite uh, objects of meditation in Plum Village. We say that a cloud never dies. To die means from something you become nothing. And it is very clear that a cloud can never become nothing. A cloud can become rain or eyes, or fog, or, or snow, but it is impossible to become nothing. So it is impossible for a cloud to die. But not only a cloud, everything. that you see is like that. Nothing can die. You yourself cannot die. And curiously enough, uh, many scientists uh, have agreed with this. The first law of thermodynamics tells us that uh, you cannot create matter and energy. You cannot destroy matter and energy. You can only transfer 
transform, trans- transfer matter and matter into, into another matter, uh, matter into energy, energy into another kind of energy, energy back into matter. But you can uh, create or destroy matter or energy. And the French scientist uh, has said it very clearly, plainly, nothing is born, nothing dies. The true nature of reality is no birth and no death. And there are scientists who agree with, uh, with, uh, with uh, this kind of insight presented by the Buddha. When we uh, chant the Heart Sutra, it is very clear there's no birth and no death, no coming, no going. So if you you want to, if you think that there is a birth of the cosmos, the cosmos has come from the realm of non-being to the realm of being. If you think of the cosmos in terms of uh, coming and going, being born or dying, you violate the first uh, law of thermodynamics. You think that there is uh, a big uh, bang, which is the beginning of the cosmos. And you think that the cosmos will disappear one day and go to the realm of non-being. You violate the first law of thermodynamics. So our cloud cannot cannot pass from the realm of being into non-being. Our cloud can only become snow or rain or ice. So there is only a continuation, not death. Continuation is possible, but death is not possible. <clears throat> the true nature of the cloud is no death. And the true nature of everything in terms of uh, matter and energy is the same. So you cannot die and your beloved one cannot die. There is only transformation. You, have, you do not see <coughs> your beloved cloud anymore, but that doesn't mean your cloud has died. Your cloud has taken up a new form, a new manifestation. And you can recognize her in the rain or the snow. Being a cloud, that's beautiful. But being the snow, that's equally beautiful. So the fact is that you have the kind of eyes that can see the next manifestation of yourself or of your beloved one. And you'll be free from grief, from despair. If you can remove the notion of death and birth, you are no longer victims of fear and despair. So a cloud cannot die. And here a cloud cannot be born because uh, a cloud has not come from nothing. A cloud has not come from the realm of non-being. Before expressing herself as a cloud, she had been water in the ocean. Water vapor, 
the heat generated by the sun. When we breathe out, we produce cloud, we produce uh, water, produce, uh, we produce uh, uh, water vapor that will become a cloud. So a cloud has not come from nothing. A cloud has not come from the realm of non-being. There is only a manifestation. The moment the cloud manifests as a cloud is not a moment of death or birth. That is only a moment of continuation. Because uh, her nature is the nature of no birth. She's not born. She just continues. So we can speak of the former life of a cloud. In her former life, the, the cloud had been uh, the water in the ocean. Like a um, sheet of paper. In her former life, she had been a tree, a forest. So when you see something, someone, you look literally, you can see their former lives. They have not come from nothing. <clears throat> so to meditate deeply, you can remove the notion of birth and death. Nothing is born, nothing dies. And uh, you can do that together with the scientists. They are also looking deeply, they are trying to find out the nature of, of reality. So if you can remove uh, the pair of opposite, this notion of birth and death, you will be able to remove the notion of being and non-being also. Because uh, the notion of birth and death are based on the notion of being and non-being. They are linked together because you believe that uh, to be born is from the realm of non-being. You pass into the realm of being. So if birth and death are removed as notion, being and non-being are removed at the same time, very quickly. You describe uh, reality as being and non-being. That is not correct. <clears throat> Look at this uh, flower. This is the object of your meditation. When you look into the the flower, you see a flower is made only of uh, non-flower elements. <clears throat> You see the rain, the cloud. Rain and cloud are not flowers. They are non-flower elements. But they are very crucial for the making of a cloud. And if you continue to look, <coughs> you see other non-flower elements. Like the sunshine. The sunshine is not the flower, 
The sunshine is a non-flower element. And without the sunshine, there's no flower possible. So if you continue to look, you see the earth, time, space, the gardener, and the whole cosmos in the flower. The whole cosmos has come together in order to help the cloud to manifest. And you can conclude that a cloud is made only, uniquely, of non-cloud, and not a flower is made only of non-flower elements. She has no separate existence. She cannot be by herself alone. She has to interbe with the whole cosmos. This is uh, easy enough to understand. <coughs> this uh, sheet of paper has uh, the left and the right. The left cannot be by itself alone. If the right is not there, the left cannot be there either. You cannot say, you cannot ask a friend to come and take the right and go to Bordeaux, and another friend to take the left and go to Toulouse. It's not possible because the, the left is there because the right is there. You cannot be by yourself alone. <clears throat> you have to interbe with the opposite. So the left is not exactly the enemy of the right. Thanks to the left, the right can be. The right is not the enemy of the left. If uh, politically you are on the left, don't try to remove the right. If the right disappears, you disappear at the same time. So the notion of being is a wrong notion. It's just a notion. Interbeing is better. But interbeing is uh, a kind of device that can help us remove the notion of being. You cannot be by yourself. You have to interbe with all of us in the cosmos. So the other day I wrote in calligraphy, you are, therefore I am. The left is because the right is. And that is the teaching of the Buddha. When the Buddha speaks about the coming into being of the cosmos, he said, this is because that is.
so simple. This is the teaching of Genesis in Buddhism. How the cosmos come to exist, come to be. And, that, and the answer is that this is because that is inter-origination, interdependence, inter-being. Interbeing and the teaching of uh, uh, interdependence is a kind of instrument that you can use to remove the notion of being and non-being. Because the notions of being and non-being cannot describe, describe reality as it is. To say that uh, the world is, that is wrong. And to say that the world is not, that is equally wrong. And in a sutra very famous that uh, is available in all Buddhist tradition, the Katyayana Sutra, the Buddha described right view as uh, the kind of insight that transcends the notion of being and non-being. Katyayana came and asked the Buddha, Dear teacher, you have spoken several times about right view. What does it mean exactly, right view? And that morning the Buddha said, right view is the kind of insight that transcends, that is free from the notion of being and non-being. And there are theologians who describe God in terms of uh, the ground of being, the ground, the foundation of being. And you may ask, if God is the ground of being, who will be the ground of non-being? You cannot speak about God in terms of being and non-being. God is the ultimate. And the ultimate is free from notion, the notion of being or non-being. That is why to say the word is, God is, is wrong. What is not is equally wrong. God cannot be described in terms of being and non-being. And not only God, but the creature, the world, the creation of God, cannot be described as being and non-being either. So that is a right view, the kind of insight that is free from all these notions, birth and death, being and non-being, sameness, otherness, coming and going. Therefore, in Buddhism, to be or not to be, that is, not, uh, the que- that is no longer the question. There is a school of wisdom in Buddhism 
พอมาดาบิกาติชินเอมติเนสเดอะสกูลออฟพรัชญาปารามิตาเดอะวิสดุมแคนเฮปัสกูตูเดอะอาดัชโอและเดอะสกูลเอสตูติชัสเดอะเวย์ทูเมดิเตตอินอัดทูรีมูอัลดีสเปสออฟอัพโพสิตอินอัดฟอร์อัสทูทูทัชอัลทรูเนเจอร์ออฟโนเบิร์ธโนเดธโนบีนโนนอนบีนโนคัมมิงโนโกอิงโนซิมเนสโนอันเนส And with that kind of uh, insight, with that kind of uh, right view, there is no longer suffering. <coughs> the teaching of interbeing is to help us. Remove the notion of being and non-being. It's very skillful. You, you inter-are with all of us. You cannot be, but you inter-are with all of us. And with right view. Every thought that you produce is uh, right thinking. When we think uh, that to be born means from the realm of being, uh, from non-being, we pass into the realm of non-being, uh, of being. And to die means from the realm of being, we pass into the realm of non-being. That kind of thinking, the Buddha described it as wrong thinking. If you think in terms of being and non-being, if you think in terms of birth and death. Of sameness or otherness, your thinking is wrong thinking. So, when you have right view, that your thinking is free from from all kind of discrimination, discrimination between being and non-being, birth and death, and so. On. And uh, as soon as 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 far as uh, discrimination is still there, and then suffering is there. Suppose uh, you think that the father and the son are two separate entities, and the father can be happy if uh, even if the son is uh, unhappy. You don't see interbeing between father and son. 
you don't see the son is the continuation of father. And that is wrong thinking. And wrong thinking still draw uh, suffering. There are sons and daughters who are so angry at their father. And they declare that uh, that person um, is not my father. I don't want to have anything to do with him. That is wrong thinking. Because your father is fully present in every cell of your body. You cannot remove your father from, from yourself. And to say that you don't want to have anything to do with your father, that's foolish. That's wrong thinking. The hard fact is that you are a continuation of your father. You are your father. It's like the... That is like um, the corn plant. The corn stalk is uh, the continuation of the grain of corn. They are not the same, but they are not different entities. They are the continuation of each other. The father, the, the son, is the continuation of the father in the direction of the future. And the father is the continuation of the son in the direction of the ancestors. Without the father, the son has no access to ancestors. And without the son, the father has no access to the future uh, generations. So you have to see the truth of uh, no sameness, no, no otherness in father and son in order to remove discrimination. So right view is the kind of insight that is utterly free from all kind of discrimination. And that is why understanding and love are possible. When you produce a thought that is in the direction of right thinking, that thought has the element of understanding and love and compassion. Because there is no discrimination anymore. That thought is free from these pairs of opposites. And when you produce a thought of uh, understanding and compassion, that thought begins to heal you and heal the world. Because compassion has the power to heal. If you produce a thought of discrimination, a thought of uh, anger, hate, despair, and then that thought begins to destroy you, to make you suffer, and to begin to destroy the world. A thought of despair can lead someone to commit suicide. A thought of despair can lead someone to kill another person. And that is wrong thinking. Wrong thinking is based on discrimination and fear and anger. But when you have removed all these kind of discrimination, the thoughts that you produce are full of compassion and understanding. And they have the power to heal. 
So the meditator, the practitioner of meditation, is capable of producing thoughts of compassion, understanding, thoughts in the direction of uh, right thinking. And by thinking, we can change the world, we can change our life. We can heal us and heal the world just by thinking. Thinking in such a way that uh, generates the energy of understanding and compassion. And thinking like that is possible when we can remove discrimination. Discrimination is the foundation of fear, anger. With right view, we can produce uh, the kind of speech that is full of understanding and compassion called a right speech. You have understood your suffering. You have understood the suffering of the other person. That is why you are not angry at him anymore. You want to say something to help him suffer less. And your speech is full of compassion and understanding. That is right speech. And practicing right speech, you can restore communication. One hour of conversation only can help restore communication and reconcile. Because uh, you have right thinking, now you practice right speech. Darling, I know that you have a lot of suffering, a lot of difficulties. I have not uh, been able to help you. In fact, I have reacted in such a way that makes you suffer. I'm sorry. Please help me to understand your suffering, your difficulties. If I understand that, then I, I will be able to react like uh, differently and will not make you suffer anymore. I need your help. That is kind of love and speech that is possible when we have compassion and understanding. And understanding here, first of all, is understanding of suffering in yourself and in him, in her. And compassion here is Compassion for yourself and for the other person. And looking deeply, we can understand the suffering in each other. So there are those of us who have practiced only four or five days and are capable of, of speaking in such a way that can open the heart of the other person. Help the other person and listen to the other person and help the other person suffer less and begin to heal. 
and that can restore communication and bring about reconciliation. And that uh, retreat in uh, northern Germany, northern Berg, I remember vividly. The day before, I have asked everyone to put into the practice the teaching of uh, loving speech and deep listening in order to restore communication. And I said that if uh, the other person is not in the retreat, and then you can use your telephone. The next morning, four German gentlemen came and reported to me that last, uh, the night before, they had uh, talked to their fathers, practicing loving speech and deep listening. And they were able to reconcile with them through the telephone. And one of them said, Dear Thay, I could not believe that I, I can do it. Because I was so angry at him that I never imagined that I can talk to him in that way. But after five days of practice and looking deeply into his suffering, suddenly I found I myself capable of using that speech when I called him. I was surprised by myself. And he have reconciled. And the first thing I'm going to do after the retreat is to go and visit him. So the miracle of reconciliation always happens in our retreat. And uh, it is possible to end um, the, 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 the difficulties just by using loving speech and deep listening. If you know that his suffering is your suffering, your happiness is his uh, happiness, and then right, right speech is possible. And then, based on right view, having right view, what you do with your body is right action. Right action is the kind of action that can protect, that can save, that can support other living beings, our environment, and so on. Because you have no discrimination, you have generated understanding and compassion. That is why everything you do has compassion in it. When you eat, you eat with compassion. You eat in such a way that you will not uh, harm nature and make other living beings suffer. When you get a job, uh, your livelihood is uh, is uh, helping you and not uh, and helping the environment and other people and not to harm them. And that is a right action.
a French uh, philosopher, contemporary philosopher, whose name is Jean-Paul Sartre. He said that uh, man is the sum, the totality of his action. L'homme est la somme de ses actes. L'homme est la somme de ses actes. We are not this body, these feelings, these emotions, these perceptions. We are our action. Because uh, in our daily life, we produce action. And that will continue us into the future. And our action can be seen in terms of uh, thought, speech, and behavior. This is uh, the action of the body. This is uh, the action of uh, our mouth. And this action of our mind, thân nghiệp, khẩu nghiệp, ý nghiệp. And nghiệp is karma. Karma means action. So according to Jean Bonsatre, man is his karma. Every day we produce thought speech and action, and that is our value. And when this body disintegrates, you continue always with your karma, your action. They don't see you as you used to be seen, like a cloud, but a cloud cannot die. A cloud continues with the snow, with the rain and so on. You continue with your action your karma. And if uh, today you produce beautiful thoughts, beautiful speech, and beautiful action, and then you continue beautifully in the future, you can assure a beautiful continuation by good practice. Because you can heal yourself and you can help heal the world. So these three aspects of karma And to say that to die means uh, there's nothing left. That's wrong, wrong view. You cannot die. You continue always, for better or for worse. It depends on, on the quality of your thought, speech, and action. When you say something full of compassion, you feel wonderful. You feel light, and that heals you. The other person has not uh, heard that. When you write a letter to him or to her, 
if the letter is full of understanding and compassion, it begins to heal you first. And when the other person reads it, the healing begins with him or her. So a good practitioner always writes letters like that or say things like that, that has the power to heal. And we can do it today, without, without the telephone, without, without the computer. And then, um, let's try to... Right view. Uh, the, the kind of uh, livelihood that we, we choose will be right livelihood. <coughs> what you do uh, to earn a living is not harming the environment, is not causing other people to die. We, we live in such a way that can allow other beings a chance to live also. That is right livelihood. That is the teaching on ecology, protecting living beings, and so on. And then with the uh, right view, you practice uh, right delusions. This we have learned yesterday, uh, the, four, the day before uh, yesterday. That is the practice of uh, watering, selective watering. We refrain from watering the negative seeds. We don't give them a chance to come up. And every time uh, it happens that they come up, we know how to help them, to take care of them, and help them to go back to their original place, position, down in the store consciousness. And the good seat in you and in your partner you try to water every day so that they come up and, and make the landscape of the mind beautiful, joyful. And you can also water the good seeds in him or in her so that the landscape of her mind will be pleasant and beautiful also. This is uh, everyone can do. Everyone has good seeds. And if you recognize them and water them, and then the other person will be happy right away. And if she is happy, you can be happy also. So that is the teaching of, uh, of uh, right delusions that we have learned on, uh, I think, uh, a few days ago. And then with right view, 
right mindfulness become very easy. The practice of mindfulness help us uh, touch the refreshing and healing elements in us and around us so that we can uh, transform and nourish us. The practice of mindfulness help us to handle the suffering in us so that we don't have to suffer much <coughs> and we can transform the mud into the lotus. And then the mindfulness carry within itself the energy of concentration, right concentration. There are many practices of concentration. In the, uh, in the Sutra of Mindful Breathing, the Buddha proposed um, the concentration on impermanence. The, the, the concentration on the nature of non-craving. The concentration on the nature of no birth and no death. And the concentration on letting go that will help us liberate it, liberate from our afflictions. But there, there is a practice of concentration that is available in all schools of Buddhism. It's called the Three Doors of Liberation. The three doors of liberation. And they are emptiness, the concentration on emptiness. The concentration of signlessness. And the concentration of, uh, of uh, aimlessness. These uh, practice of concentration, they help uh, remove afflictions, fear, anger, despair. We do not have enough time to go deeply in details, but we can have uh, uh, a notion about that, and we shall we shall continue to learn about this uh, practice of concentration. The first of all is uh, emptiness. And emptiness is not something negative. The, 
the flower, as we have seen, is full of everything. Sunshine, cloud, earth, time, space. But why we call it empty? It is full of the cosmos, but it is empty of only one thing. That is a separate existence. We have learned that a flower cannot be by herself alone. A flower has to interbe with all the cosmos. So empty means empty of a self, a separate self. The left cannot be without the right. The son cannot be without the father. So everything is connected to everything else, and that means emptiness. When you look into your body, don't, don't think that your body is yourself. And you own your body. No, this body is uh, a continuation of the body of your ancestors. You are a stream. You are not a self. All your ancestors are in you, are in, the, in every cell of your body. Your father, your mother, your ancestors, they are all in your body. So, so, so you carry all your ancestors in you, you. And Mother Earth is in you too. You do not have a separate self. This body is a continuation of the body of your ancestors, of your father and mother. And you need to take good care of your body and transmit it to your children and your grandchildren. You have to refrain from digesting, eating, doing things that do harm to this body. You have no right to harm your body. You do not have the right to commit suicide because it's not yours. And you have to ask yourself what your, your ancestors want you to do with your life, with your body. Your ancestors, your ancestors might have the deep wish to get enlightened, to, to get total freedom, but has not done it, and expect that you can do it for them. You can get the freedom for them. If you can get the freedom, the awakening, and then all your ancestors in you will profit. You are very kind to your ancestors, your parents, if you can get enlightened and free from all afflictions. So looking into your body, your feeling, your mind, you see that you are a continuation. You are you are empty of separate self. You are full of everything except a self, a separate self. And that is the meaning of uh, emptiness. To be empty means to, em- 
to be empty of a separate self that remains the same forever. There is nothing like that. There is nothing that can remain the same forever. The self. This is a very deep meditation. And all the literature of Prasna Paramita deal with the problem of uh, emptiness. And the Heart Sutra is the shortest text on, 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 uh, on the teaching. And uh, you recite every day in, uh, in, in your temple. Signlessness is the kind of uh, meditation that helps you not to be victims of uh, grief and despair. You have to be able to see your cloud in the rain, in the snow, in your teeth. Your cloud cannot die. You cannot die by yourself. If you are caught in appearance, caught in a sign, and if you don't see that uh, form anymore, that sign anymore, and you cry, and you despair, that's because you have not been able to see the continuation of the cloud in the, in the rain, in the, in, the, in the snow. So to train ourselves to think and to see things in the light of signlessness, and then you can touch the world of no birth and no death. And you do not cry anymore just because uh, your beloved one is no longer in her uh, usual form. Your beloved one never dies. She continues always. And if you have the eyes of signlessness, you don't need to cry. The rain, you are crying because you don't see your cloud anymore your favorite cloud, your beloved cloud. And your cloud is now in her new form, the rain. And the rain is calling you, darling, darling, I'm here, don't you see me? I'm not dead. And if you can see the cloud in, in the rain, there's no longer any grief, any sorrow. That is a door of liberation, the second door of liberation. Signlessness. And the third practice of concentration is uh, aimlessness. The Sanskrit word is uh, apranihita. It means that um, that placing something in front of you and run after that. You are looking for something. You think that you want to become that. You want to, to, have to have that. That something might be God, might be the kingdom of God, might be nirvana, might be enlightenment, might be happiness. 
So that is the object of your searching, of your longing. And if uh, you continue to suffer because you are still running after something, an object, even that object is God, the kingdom of God, uh, the pure land, uh, Nirvana. Imagine a wave on the surface of the ocean. She suffers of notions like beginning, ending, going up, going down, be there and not to be there. She's scared because she has notions that to be a wave, that's too difficult. But if she knows how to look deeply, she recognizes that she is water. And the moment when she knows that she is water, she knows that she is water, she is no longer afraid. She enjoys going up, she enjoys going down. She is no longer caught by the idea of beginning, ending, birth and death. And she doesn't have to run and to search for water. She is water in the very here and now. The same thing is true with us. You are searching for the kingdom of God. You are searching for nirvana, for God. But you don't know that the kingdom of God is in you. Nirvana is your foundation. You have been nirvanized for a long time. You are in the kingdom of God and you belong to the kingdom. You don't have to run and search for it. And that is the teaching, the practice of aimlessness. In French, la non-poursuite. The moment when you realize that you are wonderful like that, you have already a kingdom in you. You can touch the kingdom with every step. And then there is no... Mm, there is... A, uh, no more suffering, and you can stop. And happiness is possible only the moment when you stop running after the object of your craving. Even the object of your craving is uh, nirvana. Because uh, when you touch the, your nature of no birth and no death, no coming, no going, and you touch nirvana with every step, with every breath, in the here and the now. And that is the teaching of, uh, of, um, of aimlessness, apranihita. So um, when you come to the practice center, many practices help you to suffer less, to get a relief. But the greatest relief you can get only when you touch nirvana, you touch the nature, your own nature of no birth and no death. And that is not something you look for in the future or elsewhere. It is right here and right now. You belong, your body, you belong to that. You are already what you want to become.
the way is only water. She does not have to go and look for water. So this uh, Dhamma talk is an invitation for you to continue because the teaching of the Buddha is very deep. It has the power to liberate. It's very concrete. And uh, we don't suffer when we study and put into practice what we learn. It's, it's always a joy to learn the Dharma and to put it into the practice in our daily life. And if you can go home and set up a Sangha to do it together, that brings you a, a lot of joy.